thank you again for joining us uh, on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, Memorial Day is a, a federal holiday in the United States for remembering those who died while serving in, in the military. Some, sometimes we get that confused with just remembering all military, but the, um, this is specifically for those who, who gave their lives uh, for our country. And so uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you have had someone in your family history who you know that died in, in one of our wars? Yeah, several of you. Um, my closest connection is my grandmother's uh, brother, uh, Carl, uh, was killed in World War II, and there were seven kids all together in, in it, that family, and uh, three of them are still living today, including my grandma, but, but their, their families always had a hole in it because uh, of losing a loved one. And, and there are so many people who have fought and died for our country in, in really what's a relatively short um, period time span as a, as a country compared to a lot of countries. And, and so the connection to all this as churches in America has been the, the idea that our country was, was founded on, on Christian principles and the freedom to follow Christianity and, and uh, any religion for that matter as we see fit. And a lot of people have died with that as the underlying principle. And so obviously our country has has done many non-Christian things through the years, and I'm not going to you know, open up that can of worms. But from a Christian point of view, we should never take for granted our, our freedom to, to worship, how we want to worship. And so we can come here and worship each week and, and not have to, to fear facing physical persecution for our faith. And, and many places in the world today are just not like that. And so I, w- I would encourage you to take some time this weekend to pause and, and consider those who are willing to pay you know, they, they paid any price, including uh, their lives, and to help make sure that we have freedom in our country. So, uh, so as we consider those who have died for our country this morning, I want us to actually go back in history uh, to the pages of the Old Testament, and there are some amazing stories of those who fought valiantly for God, and, and they were willing to do anything for the, the one true God of the Bible, including losing their lives for God and, and for their nation. And, and so the pages of the Old Testament just contain some, some really cool stories um, of brave men who fought for God. And, and many of these stories, uh, if you look at the history, it have to do, are connected to King David, uh, who is perhaps the greatest king Israel would ever know. And his greatness came from his dependence on God, first and foremost, but, but also he had some incredibly loyal soldiers who helped him in battle. And among all of David's soldiers, there was a group of about 37 men uh, who stood out above the rest. And, and they, they are called David's mighty men, okay? And, and these men, under David's guidance and, and led by God, they accomplished some amazing feats, okay? They, these were David elite warriors. Uh, it was like David's Navy SEAL group, okay? They, I mean, they, they were the ones that they would, David would take into battle and... Uh, there, there were several of them um, that you, know, you can look at their stories and think, wow, I can't believe they did this. And so within that group of 37 elite fighting soldiers, there was these kind of the inner circle, even among that. And there was three mighty men that formed David's inner circle. Their names were Joseph Bashehebeth, okay, got that? Joseph Bashehebeth and Shema and Eleazar, okay? 
Okay, these are not your average biblical household names, right? Uh, they're not usually high on the list of names every year. Um, well, I was thinking about, yeah, Joseph Beshehebeth for my kid's name. No, you don't hear that very much, right? Um, but Scripture kind of gives us, gives us a little glimpse into these guys. And, and Joseph Beshehebeth, he was the chief of the captains of David's army. And get this, he was famous for slaying 800 men at one time by himself, okay? We're not told how he did that, but, you know, just think, the, the number is staggering to think about. But that's like video game type numbers. But, but he did it in real life. Uh, God also used Shema to bring victory. Um, this is a little different one. He actually used, uh, uh, he, he defended a field that had lentils and barley growing in it. And you think, man, you're, really, you're willing to wish, risk your life for that? Why would you do that? Um, and the answer is that the, the land belonged to the Lord. It was given to Israel to use for God's glory. And Shema didn't want the Philistines to control what belonged to the Lord. They were trying to take it. And so he was successfully able to defend that land. Um, and then there's Eleazar. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And, and he fought side by side with David against the Philistines. And this one time, the rest of the Israelite army, they were scared. They were retreating. But he and David stayed to fight. And, and so they took on this whole battalion. And it, it says that it got to the point where he had fought for so long that his sword was like welded to his hand. He couldn't even, you know, if you've ever held on to something, you're like maybe you're doing a shovel for a long time. You ever felt that? It's like hard to open your fingers up. He had that with a sword. Um, and they were, they were successful. Okay, they had this great victory, just David and Eleazar. And so it's kind of the stuff of superheroes in movies, but, but it actually happened. Okay, now obviously it, it took a very special person to be a part of this group. Um, I want to actually share the story of three other men who are part of this group of 37, and we aren't even given their names. Okay, they, weren't, they were simply men who were loyal to their king. They weren't worried about personal recognition, uh, but I think we can learn some really cool things that we can apply to our lives from these guys. So, so let's read it, 2 Samuel 23, verse 13 through 17, and we'll read some of the story. During harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephim. At that time, David was in a stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it, is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Okay, now personally, I, I don't really like how David responded to this. Do you? I, I mean, come on, David, at least take a drink of it. I just risked my life. And maybe share it with the rest of the guys. And, and uh, you know, if I was one of those guys, I'd been thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You're, you're going to pour that out? Um, but I think David was saying, you know, I don't want you guys to risk killing yourselves just for my personal gain. 
I hope that later that night he pulled those guys aside and said, hey, thanks for what you did. I appreciate that. Threw him a bone of some kind. I hope that he did that. We don't know. It's, we're not told that. But, um, but with these guys and, and with, with all of David's mighty men, I think there were some, some things that, that just really stood out about them to be a part of this group. And so what can we learn from these heroic men? Okay, what was it that made him so mighty? And, and as, as we look at these guys, um, you know, I want us to look at what it makes a, a person uh, mighty in God's kingdom today still. So, so what is it um, about the men in our story that made them special? Um, these are on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow along. David's mighty men were, first of all, they were close to their king. Close to the king. They were close enough to hear David's words. In verse 15 again, David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So just a little background. The fact that David was hiding in a cave near Bethlehem suggests that this event took place shortly after he was made king in Hebron. And and the Philistines attacked him when they heard about it. And so uh, just if you know your history a little bit, so David was king over part of Israel for seven years, and then uh, over all of Israel for another 33 years. So a total of 43, 40 years he was king. This part was the first part over just um, Hebron. And so, so David was, was attacked after harvest time, which meant there probably had been not much rain lately. The cisterns would have been empty. No water was available in the cave, and, and, and David was just plain thirsty, okay? He, you know how you feel when you're thirsty, right? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm dying. Yeah, yesterday, if you worked outside for very long, it didn't take long, right? How did it get to be so hot already, by the way? That we had like a week of spring, right? Oh, man. If we're not careful, I'm going to start talking about snow pretty soon again. <laughs> so... Um, He's really thirsty. That's all I can think about it. And, and he thirsted for the water from, from the well at Bethlehem. It was probably he used to drink from when he was a boy. Okay, it was good cold water, and, and he was just thinking, oh, man, I just remember how good that water was, how cold it was, and if he could just have a drink of that water. When I go to Taiwan, there's a place up in the mountains um, that we usually go to, and there's a, uh, a s- spring coming down. Um, and it starts pretty high in the mountains, and so it's, it's still clean and, and pure, and so you can drink right out of the stream, and it's cold, and I think it's the best water I've ever had. Maybe it's because it's hot, and you get up there, and you can take a drink, but, but that's what comes to mind when David's talking about this water. It just, he's like, oh, that's all I can think about. Um, and so th- the text itself, it doesn't suggest that David is saying, I'm, I'm telling you guys, get, go break through and, and get that water, okay? It's more like he's just you know, that he's dreaming out loud. If I could just have a drink of that water. And these guys were close enough to him to hear this, and, and they wanted to, to follow the desire of their king. And, and so what an example that is, I think, for us to follow in relationship with our king, Jesus. You know, if we want to be mighty men and women in the kingdom of God, then this needs to be close enough, we need to be close enough to our king to know his desires and hear his words. It's not a physical closeness we're talking about, but, but a spiritual closeness. 
And I believe that Christians who are, listen to this, I believe that Christians are the, who are the most effective soldiers for Christ are the ones who form the closest personal relationships with him. They know him. And, and I think God's greatest desire is to be known by his followers. Listen to, to what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for those who sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. In other words, he's saying, I've sacrificed a lot of things to follow Christ. But none of those things matter compared to truly knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The old things, they're just really garbage compared to knowing Christ. To be a mighty man or woman of God, you have to realize that the stuff of this world is not going to make a difference in the big picture. The things that often seem really important to us right now, they are often not important at all in in God's kingdom. For example, some of you, and I tread a little lightly on this, some of you are in a season of life of heavy activities for your kids. And I'm sure several of those in that season aren't here today because of kids' activities, right? Uh, and, and those activities are important. I get that. I went through that season a, as a parent as well. And I've always known the importance of what I'm going to say next, but, but I, I see it even more now that, that we are past that season of heavy activities. Here's the deal. By far the most important thing to teach your kids is to know and love Jesus to be close to Jesus. Everything else is, is really just details. And, and I think we've often gotten that confused in our, our push to, to help our kids succeed in, in their various activities. And, and like I said, I get it. But we don't do our kids any favors when we sacrifice helping them get to know Jesus better so they can do one more activity. Just want, just want us to think about that. As parents, we're striving to help our kids grow closer to the king, to begin to build their own relationship with Jesus, and to set the example for our kids. We need to have that relationship in our own lives. So first of all, David's mighty men, they were close to their king. We also see that David's mighty men were fully committed to their king, okay? In fact, they were committed enough to their king that they took David's wish as their command okay they, they wanted to please their king verse 16 again says so the three mighty warriors broke through the the philistine lines they drew water from the well near the gate of bethlehem and carried it back to david but he refused to drink it instead he poured it out before the lord okay these guys are amazing they, they look at each other and, and say let's do this like what do you, what do you say Let's break through and go get our king that water. And, and I, I wish we could have had a, like a video to watch of, of how that happened. I mean, did they, was it a stealth type thing? Did they knock off a few guys on the way? Did they, they sneak in and out? How did, how did they do this? It would have been a great movie to watch, right? Um, so well, however they did it, the three mighty men, they break through the camp of the Philistines. They, they risk death and, and uh, they get water from the well at Bethlehem. And, and they took it, they brought it back to David. So they, they respected and, and honored their, kings, their king so much that they were willing to go above and beyond 
what David even expected them to do. They didn't have to be commanded. They were, they were so committed and enthusiastic in their service to David that they, they just jumped to their feet and marched off and said, let's go, let's do this. I think we can do this. Today I believe that God's kingdom desperately needs Christians with that, that sort of commitment and zeal and an all-in commitment to Christ. Paul, was, Paul, you think about him, he was this enthusiastic follower of Christ. And when he was converted from Judaism to Christianity, he, he jumped in, right, with both feet. And I would call him a warrior for Christ. And he decided to not have a family. He, he, had, he lived a transient life. And, and along the way, he suffered from hunger and, and thirst and, and heat and cold and shipwrecks and and snake bites and stonings and unlawful imprisonment and, and slander and, and public whippings. And tradition says eventually he died a martyr's death. Why? But because he was completely committed to Jesus, his king. The builders of a, the cathedral in Seville, Spain, in 1401, this is it on the screen, said, let us build here a church so great that those who come after us will think us mad ever to have dreamed of it. And a lot of people did think, oh, you can't do this. And, and they built it, and it took many, many years, and, and, and it still stands today. It, it's an incredible chapel. But I was thinking about that, that process, that thought process as a church body. For Road Christian Church, if we are going to be a great church, and I'm not talking about the building, but a great church in our community, we need a bit of that, that crazy type of dreaming. We need to look at doing things that, that are bigger than we could ever imagine doing on our own. And some people might think, that's kind of crazy that they're even trying to do that. But I believe God won't fully work through our church unless our church is completely committed to him. And so I just ask you to think about your commitment to him this week. Is it a full commitment or a, or a partial commitment? And maybe it used to be a full commitment, but not so much anymore. And, and, and I would say if it, it is worth, if it is worth following Jesus, it's worth following him all the way. Don't you think? And then the final detail I want to point out about David's mighty men is that they were incredibly courageous. Okay, this kind of goes along with what we've already been talking about, but they weren't just a little bit courageous. They were incredibly courageous, and, and they were courageous enough to try and please the, the king at any cost. And they knew, like I said, that in trying to get this water, they could die. But in spite of the danger or the consequences, that they, they broke through enemy lines, they came back with water. And so if, if only all of Christ's followers displayed that level of courage, what, what would that look like? 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Okay, we, we tend to equate courage with heroism. Uh, firefighters running into a burning building or police arresting a, an armed criminal. Or This week we remember the tornado which has now been seven years ago, which is hard to believe. But there were so many heroes after the devastation. But you know, having courage for Christ, it doesn't always have to be a life-threatening type situation. 
Okay, in fact, I think often it means willing to, to stand up for Christ in, in, in even the little things. And I think what, what often holds us back, to be honest, is fear. Mark Twain, he described it well when he said, Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Yeah, I'm sure David's men were scared when they went to do this, okay? They, they were human, okay? They had human emotions, but I'm sure their adrenaline was pumping, and oh, they didn't know the outcome for sure. But that didn't let them stop them. I think we often fear the consequences of, of being courageous for Christ. A fear of failure, an, an unwillingness to share our faith can can stem from a, a fear of rejection. Uh, a refusal to serve others with, with our time and our talents, maybe we, maybe we feel like they're going to take advantage of us or exploit us somehow. But I think courage is, is pretty foundational to, to virtually every Christian virtue. So much so that it, it's, it's really impossible to mature in Christ without it. I think it's impossible to consistently live in obedience to Christ and to have fellowship with Him and please Him as long as we're, we're dominated by fear instead of by courage. Several years ago, there was an NCAA cross-country championship held in Riverside, California. 123 out of the 128 runners missed a turn. Okay, One competitor, his name was Mike Del Cabo, he stayed on the 10,000-meter course and, and he began waving for fellow runners to follow him guys this is the way go this way uh, but he was only able to convince four other runners to go with him which was the right way to go and so when he was asked uh, what his competitors thought of his mid-race decision not to follow the crowd Doug Cabo responded they thought it was funny that I went the right way it takes courage to go the right way when everyone else is going the wrong way. It takes courage to keep going despite the laughter and jeers of the crowd instead of just following them. He had courage. When it was time for the Israelites to enter the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, three times in the first chapter God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. Okay, verse, six, verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. And then verse 7 says, be strong and, and very courageous. And then verse 9 says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Friends, God doesn't say just do this on your own. He, he promised Joshua that he, he would be with him and with Israel. And he kept his promise. And, and as long as they followed God. He would be with them, and, he, and he's still there today for us. Be strong and courageous. He's, he's saying, you can do this. I'm with you. Let's go. We can do this together. And so as we look at David's mighty men, we see that, that it took a, a special, skillful person to serve as one of his elite soldiers. Their loyalty, loyalty and, and their bravery... In service to the king of Israel, it's an awesome example for us to follow in our relationship to the king of kings. And as we saw in our story, they, they were close to the king. They were fully committed to the king and incredibly courageous in their loyalty to the king. But you know, the, the reason I think they were so committed to David was that he was a pretty incredible king. 
he was fully committed to God throughout his life from the time he was a, a shepherd boy till the time he was uh, slaying the giant Goliath and, and, and uh, he was being loyal to King Saul even when Saul was trying to kill him um, to doing incredibly brave things in battle. Okay, he was an amazing king to follow. We all have the opportunity to follow and serve an incredible king today as well. And his name is Jesus. And talk about being courageous. He showed us what courageous looks like by, kill, by his willingness to die for each of us. We follow an incredible king. I hope he's your king. And if he's not your king, it's time to make him your king. Let's be a church of mighty men and women for our King, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we have examples to follow in the Bible that, of what it looks like to, to bravely follow the King. And I pray that if anybody here hasn't surrendered to the king today, that they would be willing to do that. I pray if, if any of us are just kind of half-hearted following the king, that we would just jump in with both feet and say, okay, here I am, let's go, I'm ready. I'm tired of playing the game. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for being the best king that anybody could ever hope for. Thank you for being a king that was willing to sacrifice their own son on the cross. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray.